0: And we're back. This is episode 21, and I want to talk about one of my favorite people from church history ever. So this one is going to be called uh, St. Bonaventure and Swing Sets. And let's just go ahead and get started, all right? So how many of you have ever been on a swing? Right, I mean, that's such an odd question because everyone has hopefully been on a swing at some point in their life. From either childhood or older, it's uh, it's, it's such one of the simplest things on the playground, right? But um, it's a very simple question. When you sit on the swing set and you have your hands on the ropes or on the chain... And your feet are there touching the ground. Which direction do you start going? Right? Forward and back. Ever higher. Ever further back. With faster and faster. Up and down. Up, 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 up. Right? But if you try to go side to side. You're using the swing improperly. Like swings aren't meant to go side to side like that. They're supposed to go perpendicular to the bar above them, right? But I think the swing is a really good image for what I would like to try to get across about St. Bonaventure, okay? Now, we all know stories of people using swings improperly. Maybe when you, like... Um, swing higher and faster, and then you launch off of it. You try to get the most height or the furthest distance. Maybe you were one of those people that knew how to do a backflip out of it. Um, I could kind of do that. Um, There were even like some real fancy tricks I've seen people do. And we always used to joke that maybe it's possible to swing all the way around it. But I do have one memory of my little brother on it he used to lay down on his stomach on the swing set that we had in our backyard and spin so that it would twist up the swing and then unwind right and I just remember one time he uh it started wobbling as he's unspinning while laying on his stomach, and as he's spinning, he starts wobbling and comes around. Wham! Nails his head on one of the two by fours that's holding the whole swing set up. And I remember watching it and just thinking, "Oh man, that wasn't good." So I don't know if that's made Steve smarter or dumber, but Steve, I remember thinking, was pretty resilient that day. But he was using the swing improperly, right? So. The reason why I think the swing is a really helpful tool right now, at least image to have in mind is that a swing is supposed to have two points, right? Two anchors, two places that it holds that it's fixed upon. And, uh, if you try to go side to side, it really doesn't work that well. You try to spin that doesn't work well either. So there's a proper way to use a swing set. Now, Let's jump back to to St. Bonaventure. Not only is his name quite fun to say, but how many of you have ever even heard of St. Bonaventure? Probably not too many, but if you know who St. Francis of Assisi is, it's because of Bonaventure who wrote what's kind of known as the best biography of St. Francis. Um, Bonaventure was one of the later leaders of the Franciscans after St. Francis had passed away. And Bonaventure was an Italian friar, okay, a Franciscan friar, who also was a professor at Paris during the same time as Thomas Aquinas the great Aristotelian and Catholic philosopher-theologian. But most people love Aquinas, and sometimes people overlook Bonaventure, but I've really come to like Bonaventure, probably because of two things. One, he really had a high emphasis on God as a trinity, As God, in God's own self, is a self-giving community of love and joy. But then on the other side, had a real high, high value for nature and experience. So you can probably get where I'm going That Bonaventure was one of the people that, according to history, they think did these two things very, very well. Balanced their thought life with experiences. And sometimes people go one way or the other. Either all thinking or all experience. And that's where I think the imagery of a swing comes in. If you're trying to go from side to side. Trying to either think completely or experience only you're kind of doing, at least for Bonaventure, you're definitely doing the faith wrong. Because an active, thinking life should be balanced with experience. So, last night, I was speaking to one of the local colleges, one of the the small groups that they had about St. Bonaventure. And it was so fun, at least for me hopefully they got a lot out of it too. But I asked the question, what is a potential setback to making your faith all about experience? And so some of these college students said, well, if you make it all about experience, you don't quite know what's true. Or it's at least transitory. It's One of them even used the word fleeting, because sometimes if you try to remember a memory, you might remember it differently as time goes on when you look back at it. So experience is somewhat fluid, maybe. Or at least in our post-enlightenment mindset, it's not as reliable experiences. But our experiences really touch us. They really move us, right? So then I asked the other side of the question, what's the danger of making your approach to the faith all about thinking and thought? And the words that we came up with was that if you approach your faith in such a way that it's just about thinking, it can become cold, it can become mechanical, and it doesn't seem very vibrant. And so I really think Bonaventure is is a unique figure for me because when I think about Bonaventure, he was one of those that was a professor, but a Franciscan, was someone that taught theology and philosophy at the university in Paris, yet also had a high regard for experiencing God, especially for experiencing God in nature. So Bonaventure affectionately had two things to say. He said, one, you should always try to read the book of scripture at all times. That that helps to stimulate stimulate the mind. But he also said it's really helpful to always read the book of nature as well. That nature has got God's fingerprints all over it. And so if you're looking for God, you might want to Get your head out of the books every so often and go out into the world because God's there too. And so we had this really fascinating conversation and hopefully people thought it was really beneficial. But Bonaventure, in some ways, kind of recaptures the best wisdom of the Hebrew Bible. So in the Hebrew Bible, there is a famous... uh, section from Deuteronomy that's been called the Shema. And uh, the Shema is a famous prayer within Judaism that says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your strength. Now, it's really fascinating because Jesus comes along to the picture and he quotes that. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. But then he also adds mind. So, in some sense, can we say that Jesus misquotes the Hebrew Bible there? I mean, he didn't quote the Hebrew Bible word for word. But there's something going on there. And I think this is one of the best comments, I guess. Is that in Hebrew, which is what the Hebrew Bible was originally written in, the Old Testament, as it's known by Christians. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart. The word heart is levev. Now, levev can mean heart. But it can also mean appetite. It can also mean, like, the core of who you are. It can also... In some ways, you can actually read it as saying mind. So the word for heart in Hebrew is also the same word for mind, at least in the old desert, wisdom. Because back in the day, people used to think that you thought with your heart. If you go back and you, if you remember Back in elementary school, learning about the Egyptians, when they would mummify someone, they would pull, they would take the long needle with a hook, they'd shove it up someone's nose, the pharaohs, after they passed away, and they'd actually pull the brain out, because they thought the brain was a useless organ. But they would leave the heart in there. The ancient wisdom said that the heart is where you thought and where you felt. And so when Jesus comes along and he adds mind, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, might, and mind. He's not really adding to it, but he's at least covering his tracks. Because that connotation that heart also means mind doesn't happen in the Greek, which is what happens, which is what the New Testament was written in. But for Bonaventure, The head and the heart weren't separated. I mean, yes, we've come to know the heart as something else, the main organ of the cardiovascular system. But at least the principle is there. That we have, since the Enlightenment, separated thoughts and feelings. Because we separate things into objective or subjective, rational or irrational which, for a time, the Enlightenment was helpful in that. But there are certain things that don't fall into that category of subjective objective. Things like art. Or music. Things of beauty. You could say faith. Is faith objective or subjective? Well, well... <laughs> I've been listening to a lot of John Caputo, and so (laughs) I just realized it sounded like him right there. But these are some of his thoughts, too, some of his best critiques. And so for me personally, Bonaventure has kind of become a model figure. Yes, he was one of the largest influences on the Franciscan order and helped to establish the Franciscan order Down through the ages, but he seemed to be one of those people that never forgot how to swing on the swing. That you're supposed to be anchored in two ways with thought and with feeling. That we should always be reading the book of Scripture and the book of nature. That we should be opening ourselves to really good theology and philosophy, but also making sure that we make every effort to really experience all of this life with richness and depth. Bonaventure <laughs> is also known as the Seraphic Doctor. Seraphic meaning the seraphim, because he once saw a vision of an angel with six wings. And then he became one of the biggest influences of the church because that experience transformed him. And then he wrote a really wonderful piece called uh, The Soul's Journey into God. Itinerarium mentis in deum in Latin. Bonaventure, at least for me, like I said, has become a figure that tells me it's possible Because when I fall into the trap of either focusing too much on academics or too much on experience, and I probably have to say I lean too much towards academics in light of, or in lieu of experience, I'm at least reminded that it's possible. And then I can remember how to swing on the swing that's faith. To be anchored in two ways, with good thinking and good feeling but then to let these two things bring me up higher and higher to let these two things be something that brings me thrill and enjoyment and just helps me to be present to the now. Bonaventure was a mystic, but he was also incarnational. He loved experiencing God and looking for God in everything, but was also so grounded that he felt the need, like the Christian faith means being here in the material world, preaching, teaching, helping justice happen, which sounds just like the Franciscans. Am I right? So if you get a chance, go look up St. Bonaventure, the Seraphic doctor. He is one of my favorites. All right, so... I hope you learn from his example and remember how to swing on the swing that we call faith. Cheers. Till next time.